0: As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes.
1: Welcome to Androids Dungeon on CFRU three three FM, broadcasting normally out of the University of Guelph, Guelph, Ontario campus. This is the never-ending pandemic edition, and you know what's special about this show? For the past two years, you could have tuned at any point, and you could have heard a variation on this introduction. Um, this one's especially special because uh, it's a lockdown again, and I, if only I was in the studio and I could play a sound effect to indicate some sort of special like, uh, prices, right? Like, so, uh, nothing's changed two years. They've closed stuff again. I saw a movie last night for the, before they closed the theaters and, uh, Royal electric. We saw nightmare alley.
0: Ooh, spooky. I
1: don't even know if it's that spooky. It's definitely a fantastic movie. I loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. And, uh, it deserves way more attention than I think unfortunately it's getting. I don't know what they were thinking. Obviously they weren't thinking things were going to get locked down, but I, most of the U.S. is open, so I don't know what the issue is. So,
0: I don't know. <laughs> oh, what a disaster. Uh, yeah, nobody cares about Canada.
1: Yeah, that's fair. You know, frankly, at this point I don't either, so whatever. Let's just keep going. Doing our thing. Joel, what have you been up to? What have you been playing recently?
0: Selling my games. What's that? I'm trying to- I've been selling my games. What do you mean? Called down a little bit prior to uh, um, the big move, and so I've been taking some of my games and playing this fun little game called Facebook Marketplace, where you put stuff up and then people pay you money to come pick them up from you. But what have you sold? I've only sold two games. I've sold Tapestry. Oh, the one that you received for free? <laughs> yeah. Yes, I sent Harry half of the money because I felt a little guilty selling his game. But, I would have probably um, just
1: held on to it and then bought him a beer when you're back in BC. But that's yeah, true. <laughs> uh,
0: but yeah, I sold it for I think sixty-five dollars. Oh! It's like a first print, so it's probably worth handy. Yeah, you get rid of it.
1: You took a bath on that one, Joel. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. My my mentality is put it a, a ridiculously low price so that it'll get purchased immediately.
1: There's nothing wrong with that. And as long as you thing is like I don't like vultures. That's the thing because I'm a vulture and I wouldn't want to talk yeah. to me. So it you just don't want to have something there that's that you just get like the lowest common denominator somebody set up an alert for something that's stupid price. But
0: I, I probably went a little too low on that one because i think i got like 20 responses in an hour but then i put fog of love up cuz you know we haven't played it since we got it and that was maybe 3 years ago yeah and uh posted it for 45 bucks which is pretty good price um nothing 170 views not a single blip so i dropped the price dropped the price put it to 35 Ooh. Finally, somebody today low balls me at twenty five dollars. You take <laughs> I'm it, like, forget it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got it. Twenty five bucks. Yeah. So,
1: well, Joe, I'm looking here. It's tapestry is going for. There's a very good copy on Board Game Geek for fifty bucks US. So I think you sold it for pretty much market value.
0: There you go. Justified. Although this was a first print. I don't know if people care about that, but it had like the little number on the bottom and everything like "Eh, special edition. Now, I don't know I was thinking they were going to be wildly successful and have 50 print runs. And this was going to make it insanely valuable. But
1: you've got uh, so I'm seeing right here on the again with the geek. There's a like new copy of Fog of Love second edition um, for $20 US, but there's a $40 Canadian one for a uh, an English male cover edition 2018 as well. So uh, it seems like it, you, it was perfectly fine for what you sold it for.
0: Totally in the middle, yeah. Well, that's yeah. the thing is like, I'm pretty sure we bought Fog of Love when it had this insane sale in the US and it was like $10 or something. Sounds like a Target. We bought sale. two copies and we gave one away. Yeah, it was like a Target thing or something like that. And so I didn't feel, I mean, we made money off of it essentially, but...
1: Well, it's like, I think there's, it's very rare that you're going to, let's be real. Nobody gets into this hobby to like flip stuff or make money for the most part. You, I think you can get away with some of that stuff if you're Uh, being really greasy with Kickstarter. Well, but it's still a gamble, right? Like how many people, do you really want to sit there backing two copies of like a $300 Kickstarter? Just in the hopes that some there's a greater fool out there that's going to buy that copy off you. Like, people do it. I'm not saying they don't, yeah. but I don't, it's boring. I don't want to do that get game.
0: Second one, try to get your money back. Eh. Yeah. Yeah, man. Selling stuff is like a game in itself. And, and I'm still, you know, like, there's a couple things. What did I put up that uh, collection of L5R cards for 20 bucks? And again, I had like 50 responses. So that's kind of the metric, I think. It's like, if you get, too many responses too fast you probably (laughs) did something wrong as far as the pricing yeah um but i mean there's when it comes to collectible card games people are crazy and you know i just don't have time to go through 400 cards i did sneak a couple cards out of the boxes though i i thought i'd give one to you as like a make a nice bookmark you know having one of these cards Hopefully, it's like the Black Lotus equivalent. <laughs> <Next> <laughs>
1: I time can I be the one it. that sends you some cash. <laughs>
0: well, I did search it, and uh, at least the foil edition of this one card was 11 bucks on eBay or something. That's pretty good.
1: See, yeah. it's it's again, it's like if you want, if you've got this sort of dedicated personality that you're going to buy, like, how how many cards did you sell? I'm going to say 500, maybe? Okay, that's what it was in my head. So, 500 cards. If you're, if you're just buying a random pack and you're going to. For twenty-five bucks, it's it's no risk whatsoever because if you just if they're ten cents a card, you're gonna do okay.
0: Yeah, but and if you find one, you know, find
1: one that's worth ten bucks, you're fine. So, yeah. but it's just it's another level. It, that's the collectible card game. People are it's a another world that I don't like. It's it's fun yeah. to play. You might as well be sitting there like hitting up record stores constantly and flipping through a million records looking for that rare first edition of like a jazz album or something. It's just. I don't mind it if I've got time, but it's it's another world.
0: Yeah, and it's wild that this guy, you know, immediately drove from downtown Toronto. Says a lot. His son in the car. Yeah, <laughs> it's just... like, son, we're going to get some cards. Let's go. <laughs> no, Dad, no. <laughs> That's maybe, fine. I mean, maybe they're for him. I don't know. Maybe they're but, yeah, for the yeah boy. right. Here, yeah. boy, play some ancient game from the '80s that no one plays anymore. But it's weird because they've like republished it, but it's a completely different game. Don't but look at me, I know cool nothing RPG. about this. Anyway, I've been playing some real games if you want to hear about those. Yes, uh, I've been playing a ton of Age of Empires 4, IV, and I've been playing uh, obviously a ton of Dune Imperium, as you know. Mm-hmm. And I also got a couple games of PAX in good old PAX Premier, which Jason says, and I quote. No wonder you guys have been winning. You didn't tell me the rules properly.
1: Okay. Which the, only
0: thing, the only thing he could point out <laughs> was that we didn't tell him that when you do your movement, you can divide it between guards and and armies and tribes. I didn't even know that was a thing, but also I don't think that really matters <laughs> in the
1: slightest. It's pretty rare that you're going to split it up anyway, personally, but um... I I, uh, I don't care. I hit immediate X to not care. <laughs> <And> that, that <laughs> you suck, Jason. <laughs> well, that was Joel speaking. That was some editorializing. I won't. He <laughs> he, he sucks, period, but not in, in, uh, in Pax Premier. That's, that's my problem. <laughs> um, well, let's go down the line here. So let's start with uh, the board games, because that's the show. So let's start with Dune Imperium, because I know you wanted to talk last week or the week before that, but we didn't get a chance to do it um
0: and uh, he, man i had a, a good rage going it's too bad we missed it yeah it well try to harness you some play of the hate player right yep that's the i am only I'm familiar I'm with here. this what is it the house um it starts with an h maybe i, I don't know
1: hoi, toidi, that's what i'm saying yeah,
0: yeah. I want to say Harkonnen, but that's, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the, the basically the premise of of Dune Imperium, I think we've talked briefly about it on the show, is that uh, you're doing kind of a minor deck builder with a board state, and then you have these little combats you can commit to. And I think there's th- that's the main three elements of the game. And I was trying to describe it to this guy on our on our facebook uh group because he's now convinced uh from our photos to buy it and he's asking about the elements of it and everything so i was talking to him a bit about it today and i think basically it's it's worker placement it's deck builder even though you only end up buying seven eight cards um and it's this and then the third element which is really important but you can also kind of ignore it is the combat yeah it's direct combat, really. It's, it's it's zero sum. Well, not really. No, not Second really. prize and third yeah. prize, so it's small sums. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then you get uh, you get rewards, and usually the reward, especially in the ones that people really fight for, is a victory point. And again, you only need ten to end the game, so uh, and eight of them can be attri- attributed to you know alliances if you're really lucky, but at least maybe at least four. Um. So they get really important, and and then you get... So this is my beef with two-player. Getting into it now is basically there's this random um, deck of cards. You flip a card, the opponent goes there, blocks that space, whatever. That's pretty normal. But then they also have what's on the card as far as what combat they will add to the fight and how many troops they will commit to the fight. And that's basically all they do is that they block spaces, and they um participate in combat, but the participation in combat with that thing is swingy. And I don't know I don't know about you, but there were at least three I want to say more like five times where I put what I thought was a safe amount of troops, you know, seven troops, eight troops, a couple swords here and there on my cards. I'm talking like sixteen power. It seems like kind of a lock. And then, you know, you flip the guy, and it's um, what's that one with the spacing guild? I don't remember. It's uh, uh, the 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 giant ship. Anyway, so you he has this one move, which is like add five cubes and six swords. Yeah, it's just a total of you know sixteen plus whatever his other cards are. So it's basically an instant win in the combat. Now, if that card flips at the beginning. You know, like after your first move or your second move, that's fine. You can kind of see it coming and be like, okay, well, nobody's winning combat this time. Might as well just, you know, go off and do something else. But if you spend three turns committing your actions to win a combat, and then the random third thing that's just in the game just decides to steal it from you, it's crippling. I don't know. What do you think about that?
1: It's, um, I, at first, it, so the first time we played a two player, we had uh, something extremely uh, s- similar happen, which I thought there were a couple of times. Either of us had something locked down, and then the computer player just swooped in. And to be fair, we, it, we had no idea the capabilities of the player, like how much you would be getting boosted. Um, but the you know you're in trouble when it's getting every reserve cube into reserve, and then it's just pulling them off with every action, and it's still got tons, and you're just looking at and you think, oh, well, what? I've got more cubes out, I don't care. I've got, like, a couple daggers, and then it flips something, and then, no, 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 friend. The computer, you're toast. So it, it was frustrating, but it became to the point that it's like, I, you know that obviously you can get swingy. If, it, if it's got one cube out, you gotta be worried. There, We've played since a few times, and it's there's been a couple times when it didn't commit anything to combat, and you, you didn't worry about it at all. But I think it it does a good job. It's it's random, and that's the problem with the computer player. Period is that it it can randomly just grab spaces. Um, that makes it uh, simultaneously easier and also more difficult than than a person. But it also you you can try to sort of ride the tiger a bit, and you can you can tell that it's not going to do any crazy moves the last second. Um, for the most part, if you've been counting the cards a bit, and this sounds super nerdy and anal, but if you know some of the worst ones have already been flipped, then you don't have to worry about it for a little bit. But it, it's yeah. still tear-inducingly frustrating. And but ultimately, I still think, as annoying as it is, it's still on you because it, I think it does a good job of still simulating the fact of a, a human player just holding a bunch of daggers or having a bunch of good cards, and and then just stealing something from you it, it just feels shittier because it's the computer and it's well, it, it the feels less that, earned they,
0: it. they, the, the when the player does it it's like they're spending like two of their intrigue cards that they've been saving up the whole game or something like that you know and it's like okay well that's your master move or your master stroke or whatever yeah <laughs> but yeah it's just it sucks when it's random and then the other person hasn't committed anything you know and you're like oh and it's one-on-one too right so it's really like OK, I just went way down versus my opponent. And, but you and know, it, other it, thing, it, uh, maybe it, it's, it's also frustrating it, that, that they don't actually get anything it, from reading yeah. the combat. You know, it's like, oh, this does nothing for you. You're just a bot.
1: Yeah, it, but I think <laughs> it's still, it, it's still at the end of the day, as frustrating as it is. I still think it it's still emulating the human aspect in that so they're never going to win necessarily, but they're they're going to act as a spoiler, and you're still anticipating. So let's say you're playing with three player game with regular people, or God forbid a four player game. Um, you you've still got to keep all these things in, in under into account or take these things into account. and it, it, somebody can just as easily pull a fast one. And I know what you're saying. It, it hurts. It, it feels like more of an investment from the person and you
0: can kind of it's understand what, change, but I I see what you're saying. Functionally. Yeah. It's, it's still like acting like player. And and it is, you, you do get used to it. I, I agree with what you said at first, where you were like, uh, you know, the first time you played it, it was like, this hurts. And that's it's, because it's you don't punch. know yeah. it's coming, yeah. but eventually, you know, that, um, that that, uh, that spacing guild moves out there. And you know that, um, what is it, Hardy Warriors? The, yeah, uh, yeah. That's another big one. And so if you've seen those two come up, then you know, okay, well, the most he's going to put out is three cubes. So as long yeah. as you get, you know, I don't know, 10, 12, you should be okay. It, it's the extra daggers that haunt me.
1: Those are the ones
0: that um, Yeah. And you see them saving up, you know, they haven't, they don't have a soldier in the fight yet. Yeah. But you're like, it's... okay, he's got like six theoretical daggers. Okay. It's... He's got eight theoretical
1: <laughs> that And that's funny? it. You can math it out. And it, it's, th- that's the only thing that worries me in, about the game with regard to the bot is that I think it does lend itself to card counting. And, it, it's a little on the um, the the politely extraordinary person spectrum of behavior to to engage in in the game, and yeah. I think that maybe if you're, it, it, it comes across natural the more you play it. But as it stands, I don't have an issue with it. I just think my my whole issue, Joel, and this might be controversial, is I've played Dune Imperium I think four times now, and I think I enjoy the worker placement. Um, I think the deck building is haunting me, and I was chatting with our friend Karen out in the UK, because she picked up Dune Imperium, and I think we we both come to the agreement that I think um, often the smarter move in the game is not buying a card. If you can't buy something really good, don't buy a card at all. Just it's don't a waste. Clog up your deck. Clog up your deck, and it, like because trashing your deck is so expensive and difficult to do. And it's such a pain to, unless you've got a really great drawing engine too, but your moves are limited. It's not like Dominion or something where you can, like if you've got a sick draw engine and then you've got tons of actions and you, you just have these insane turns and you just feel like a god. No, you've got three actions. if That's Maybe true. four if, you, if you've done something really well. Maybe more if you've got some crazy treachery cards. But it, the game LA, is very frustrating.
0: Twos and threes are pretty good. Like generally, I would avoid all the ones for the most part. But I will say that I've started just buying those kicks. You know, those random. Uh,
1: oh,
0: I see. I stopped doing that. I've gotten so frustrated with it. Associates or whatever, and then I, I just set those mean. aside with like the speeches or whatever. Yeah. Uh, the convincing arguments. I'm like, okay, I have, you know, I have six, eight bucks, and that's you know a way to ramp up. Because yeah. I think the one thing that you're missing in in the whole buy cards, not buy cards, is the inevitable well i don't want to say inevitable but um the gradual build towards um the spice must flow because that's a critical way it, it, You you see in turns like six seven eight yeah the people that are pushing to win are the people that are buying a spice must flow every turn yeah they've found a way like they'll go to research station and draw three that's yeah. like That's an awesome spot for that. But you want to have those two don't-use-these-card cards, you know what I mean? Two value, two influence cards in your deck because you want to get at least three of them plus the council in order to get that spice must flow.
1: I I think what's neat is that, and in case people aren't getting from what we're talking about, there are different ways to win. And that's kind of nice about the game is that and it feels like at least every time I've played, I feel like I'm neglecting some aspect of it, and it hurts. Like you're just watching somebody do something better than you. And even though you might be doing something better than them, you're you're looking enviously at them, at least again, just from my perspective. Um, I think, I com- think yeah, combat is, is sorry, combat that like is that for me because typically i'm I'm very shy about it, And yeah. I prefer just to swoop, swoop in and grab like something cheap off it. Like Second you just place, don't you want, place, yeah, yeah, just like get something. But, The, uh, I, this was something going back to the bot that I found frustrating was that I found it was, it was, it was consistently grabbing locations on the, uh, faction tracks that were frustrating to me. Uh, Yeah. uh, And some, there were times when I couldn't even advance on the tracks because I, and I, this gets back to the deck building aspect of that. I literally didn't even have the cards that allowed me to go to certain spots. Or when I did, the computer sucked up one of the spots and Kayla was somewhere else. And i'm just I'm just kind of staring, my eyes narrowing. And I'm like, like what am I doing with my life here? It's just it's so yeah. frustrating.
0: The it, other thing that's but, crazy yeah. crazy about the computer is is that it it seems to like it should, because it's random, mess with both of you. but it seems to always only mess with one of us. And I don't know about you, and maybe you can answer this. But every game that we played, like it was pretty even, like I think we went to each. But every time, one of us had like five victory points the other person won like it was just a blowout every freaking time i I just like something about having that bot involved because like in a in a player's game i've never seen a spread more than two but in a one we've always had like a five five point spread that's got to be dumb luck there's because there's no way
1: (laughs) it's just it's just (laughs) Unless, again, like you're catch again, like maybe it's not necessarily dumb. Well, it's luck, all about the
0: faction track. Like, whoever, yeah. like you say, like if you're trying to get to X faction track and it gets blocked by the bot and the other person's going to a different one, they're going to get up much faster. And all of a sudden, you know, you see them with two alliance tokens, three alliance tokens, and you're like, how am yeah. I going to take these away?
1: Yeah. Well, it, generally speaking, I think last time we played, the only game of one, um, I, I took an alliance token away from Kayla in one of them that helped, Ooh, but nice. it also had. um. But I also had the cheesiest card in the game, which you had in the one that you posted in the group. Plans which, th- plans which I think is just it should be just chew thrown out of away. It's so stupid, and it, all it is is like, have you been playing the game? Yes. All right. Here's a victory point. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, you give me two if I play the game even like slightly better too. Like this is, yeah. what a joke. It's not even like be leading. Just have not hard form. to do.
0: It's just yeah, and it's something you want to do always anyway. It's a goofy card that I
1: I don't know what they were thinking with that personally, and it's just it's and funny. I.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's any game where you know the name of the card after playing it like three four times. Yeah, you know it's that's like you good. know that card is too good. Yeah, it's I, the
1: other thing too, and I, the last thing I want to kind of really say about this, we should move on because you got more stuff to talk about. Is that I still think the the deck building aspect of it is, and this is like it bugs me, but I think the market row doesn't help. I think it's just so random. The deck is too thick, and the 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 cards. Lend themselves to synergies that, through no fault of your own, may never show up. And so, if you see a Fremen card there, <clears throat> and you think, okay, other it benefits from other Fremen cards, you're picking it up. You're rolling the dice hard that there's going to be more Fremen cards that show up. You see Benny Jesser cards. You're rolling the dice hard. There's going to be more Benny Jesser cards that are showing up to synergize with this. Benefits,
0: yeah.
1: And it's it's just that sort of needles on me because I still think Dominion figured it out a long time ago and then even like value of the kings too another in another sense that there's you don't need an entirely randomized deck like it can be partially seeded or you can see all the cards available at a certain time and set up for different
0: styles of games anyway
1: that that's all I want to say about the deck building part
0: and uh, it- also like there's certain cards in there like there was a card i think a couple bg cards that will force everybody else to discard yeah which Which, like discarding is so painful in that game absolutely and it's
1: like i'm trying to remember do you get are there shields in the game (laughs)
0: like there's no defense yeah that's the other thing it's like anything that's coming at you is gonna get you yeah it and
1: then then also too and this is the issue with the marker row again too is that if somebody just manages to draw properly or get the right cards and there's something up there like a lady jessica like if they have a turn to Lady Jessica, this is going to be an uphill climb for you. I'm telling you this right
0: now. It's yeah. not not yeah, looking good. Cards, yeah, like that. Uh, the great wealth or whatever it is. Is that the one where you can just buy VPs? Yeah,
1: yeah, that's good. That's opulence. That's it. Well, yeah. but, well especially because you have so much money at the end of the game. Like, that's one of the things that bugs me is that every, every and I know this is something. Like I've read the forums, I've talked to people. I understand there's like this climb or this progression in resources. Some things are rare at the beginning than at the end. And that's sort of supposedly by design. I'm not totally sure. But I think it bugs me how money is virtually worthless by the end of the game. As soon as you get your sword master in the council seat, you're just staring at your money, kind of going, eh. I, I guess yeah, it's, it's weird.
0: I, you, you either bolster troops or do yeah. it. Yeah. Or sometimes I'm the money is good just for the, oh, card, you get the card draw. draw. Yeah. You can end up uh, having enough for. That's a a second way to try to get um, a spice must flow. But it's not nearly as good as the research station. No. But, uh, well, I will say, yeah, before we go, just I think, and and Jack and I sit on different sides of the camp on this, typically, that I prefer original games and just playing the base game. And Jack thinks, uh, you know, expansion's usually approve the game i think a hundred percent i'm with you on this one In that i think an expansion could fix a lot of problems
1: i'm looking i really want to see something that somebody because god knows this is popular enough and they're they're on their way i want to see what the expansions do and it'll be interesting to see and supposedly even the the player sheets are quite uh, i think you want to talk about that too if you want to quickly address one of the uh the faction leaders before we go because i think you uh we're talking about the one that's um Let's you turn uh, spice or turn uh, spice into water or uh, something along those lines.
0: One that has actually actually a, a problem, which is basically anytime you go to t- collect spice, yes, you instead have to lose a spice and draw a card. So oh. like you get less spice, but you get to draw a card. That's their main ability, which is garbage. But their in fact their ring ability is actually really really good. It's um and now I can't remember what it is, but it's basically just gain something difficult to get. It's water. I'm pretty water. sure water. Yeah. Yeah, so the 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 most difficult resource in the game you have actually pretty easy access to. Another really powerful ability is uh the Baron Harkonnen who has uh, go up on two factions once by using four troops, which is whatever. It's it's pretty good, but it's a one-time thing. But his every time he uses his ring, you can spend dollar to get an intrigue card, which we now know is one of the best things in the game. And people will actually spend a move just to go to secrets, just to get yeah. an intrigue card. So the fact that yeah. you're doing other stuff and then just getting one for a buck is fantastic yeah and then there are a bunch of other ones these other cards that are much much worse <laughs> i'll just say <laughs> yeah
1: it, it'll be interesting to see where things go i i do agree though based on just my surface impression of the game and i think i've got a, enough under my belt to have a more than sort of just basic impression hey him alone. dog's chasing the cat knock it off buddy uh-huh. is uh I, I think the treachery cards, I don't know what they were thinking with some of these ones. Like they, they just feel sort of like throwing everything at the wall and kind of hoping, what seeing what sticks. But again, looking forward to seeing what an expansion might potentially balance or fix or maybe add another player board or something to play around with. But to yeah. There's a lot to I, I think it there's a lot of the game, and I, I would definitely give an, a recommendation for people who are into because it's not heavy at all. It is not a heavy game. It, it's almost to a fault lighter than I was expecting. But there's a lot of there's a lot of gameplay there, and I think you can get a lot of mileage out of it with um, you know, I don't want to say the dreaded C word, but I think you can get introduce it to people that may not necessarily be accustomed to heavier games or more complex games because, if if you can read what the iconography or the symbolism on the board is then you can play the game that's it there's really nothing else to say
0: it's funny it does run like two hours but it it still feels accessible
1: yeah true it does seem to sometimes last a bit longer than i would hope but Uh, okay well let's take a musical break and we'll be back in a second to continue our post christmas roundup stay tuned Welcome back to CFRU 933 FM. You're listening to Android's Dungeon, and what you just heard was two tracks off of the album Adventures 1 by Cryptodel. Uh, First track you heard was Orc, and the fourth track from the album is Dance of Pales. other tracks on the album called Hyrule Castle and Lavender Town and Clotho and Midnight Adventure. So there's some obvious sort of a Nintendo adventure game fantasy elements introduced to this stuff. But more upbeat, fun, jauntier, stranger dungeon synth foray. It's been a little bit, I think. Joel loved those tracks. That he was dancing. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't see him. But mm, I knew he mm, was.
0: Mm, <laughs> <laughs> he's
1: clubbing out. That's where Ellie's
0: sleep. sending me the track. I have no <laughs> idea what we're talking about.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Because we used to uh, be able to, uh, I would record them in the studio and Joel would often come in while it was happening or we just do it live. I just put them in in post and uh, <laughs> Joel just nods politely wherever he is, I, I assume. <laughs> or he's sitting there and just shaking his fist. But either way. So before we went to musical break, we were talking about doing Imperium. Uh Joel what else have you been playing?
0: Well, uh I want to hear what you've been playing really if 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 you've been playing something. Um but I did get another D&D in which we can talk about at the end. Yeah, well why don't
1: we talk about D&D in a second? Uh so I I've got some some new content for us in the sense of it's a one of the newer games we can actually talk about on the show. Ooh. And that is a Kickstarter that showed up um around like before Christmas, I think, or about there, and it is a uh basically a second edition of a a very a fairly heavy economic game called Arkwright and I think the shut up and sit down guys did a video on it and it's been around for a while, and a lot of people speak very fondly of the game it's one of these o g grognarty um sort of heavy medium heavy euros and it's set in the 19th century, I believe, or is it the 18th century in London, basically where the Industrial Revolution is taking place, and you play as a British industrialist. Um, and I don't know if you're necessarily playing as Richard Arkwright, but you are using the technology to mass produce goods, and you're hiring people, and you're trying to sell goods for as much as you can sell them for. But your costs are enormous, and you have to worry about the demand for your goods, and you also have to worry about um the the incoming industrial revolution which is going to render workers out of work which saves you money but also affects their capability to purchase your goods so there's a bit of a balancing act there which is kind of interesting so uh the good folks at game brewer went and took arkwright which is a very big heavy game and they condensed it to what they describe it as a card game but if you look at the pictures of it there's a lot of physical components beyond cards. like there's solid player boards. there's there's wooden pieces. Um, there's there's more to it than just like like let's say bonanza, per se. And uh, but they've managed to capture all the main beats of the game in the sense of you are picking which of these four goods you want to sell, and you are manufacturing them, and you are trying to reduce your costs at all costs. <laughs> And also make sure that you can turn a profit and sell these things to people. So you have a you have a a, a market track that's dictating what the price is going to be and how many people can buy it. You've got to basically manage marketing. You've got to manage your quality. You have to manage your workers. You have to figure out when you want to uh, turn them into machines. And the whole time you're sitting there scratching your head trying to figure out how to t- turn a profit. And because this was Kayla and my our first crack at this we bit off more than we can chew and we were losing money consistently <laughs> on on our cruddy goods and it was it was i was talking about dude before and the computer being just tear inducing at times pardon me so you were setting some negative records uh, some yeah some negative records we were not we <laughs> we were not uh tearing up the uh the wealthy industrial scene in victorian london but uh, after I think by the end we had figured it out, but up to that point it was it was as if my my hand was in a vice, and somebody just kept cranking it and cranking it, and it's it, something else. You have, you're very limited in what you can do uh, in on your turns, and you're always trying to plan ahead, but that ahead is always just uh, coming around the corner. So it, it's a, it was a very interesting design. I think Kale disliked the game tremendously. I was less harsh on it, but it's um it for a for a a game that looks fairly light this was extremely it felt very dense and very tight and uh i don't want to use the word unfun because i don't think i, I think i still enjoyed myself but the the learning process and the gameplay was just something where i it felt like work almost like it felt like i was drowning <laughs> at various times but
0: that sounds really tough so was it's it just that, like else. it was like Agricola where it's like you have certain payments you need to make at certain times or Joel, like every, the-
1: every factory that sells that can sell a good. You have to pay for the factory just to be on and you have to pay every employee that's producing. And the employees have set prices. The more you hire, the more expensive they get uh, because I I don't know, because the, the market is tighter. So the, the labor supply is lower and it, it's, so let's say if you're turn if you're selling, uh, let's say cutlery for, uh, or clothes, excuse me, for seven dollars a pop, you're sitting there going, yes, I can sell. I've I perfectly figured it out I can sell five things of uh, jackets for thirty five bucks,
0: and it's you're sitting like a, there- uh, like a worker placement where every spot you go to, instead of you know just picking stuff up, you like, get something, but then you lose something else, and sometimes it's a bad deal or something.
1: Well, that's it's basically it because it's like as opposed to paying right away, it's that you pay at the end of the round. and you have to to settle up,
0: and uh, it was just uh, say you don't pay with money.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it was something else, and I think the issue is that you you want to try to do as much as you can, but in reality, the game rewards you specializing at first in your two because you start off with two factories that you can only produce two of the four goods, and then I think after you've streamlined those particular factories, then you can move on to the others. But as it stands, I think I'd be, I would have just tried to sell two things very well and, and just go from there and just ignore the rest. But I got greedy, tried to sell three of them, maybe four, I can't recall, but it was just something else. It was, and and I also, before we move on, I just want to say like the, I, the production is quite nice, but it's one of the first games in a long time that there were, there are were kind of flaws with the, sort of the, um, physical components and the first one was that um, i'm missing one of these discs that's supposed to be with the game and normally i went on, i would go right on the website and just say hey i'm missing this because most of the time they say if you're missing anything just let us know except when you go to the website and there's like a form to fill out for stuff like that they say well before you request a piece can you see, just we would love if you just ask yourself can you play the game without it and it just goes <laughs> like i don't need it but at the same yourself, time, I'm owed.
0: Not due yet. <laughs> I know. Jeez. And so that's,
1: that's like almost things.
0: like they were planning to not give you all the pieces.
1: Well, it's like I'm not trying to say they're sending out to like just like save <laughs> like 30 bucks by taking one piece out of every random box. But at the same time, don't you want to stand up for your product? Like, but this was the same company that they during the Kickstarter they screwed up their shipping allotment, and the shipping wasn't cheap on it. But the prices went up on them, uh, and then they sent out an email to all the backers saying, look guys, our shipping, like we didn't account for the prices on these. So we're asking people if they want to be, want to help us out, we're going to sell special cards and you're welcome to add on to your existing pledge to help us offset the cost. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. I wonder how much they are going to charge. Like if it's just five or 10 bucks, you know, I- I'm sympathetic, I'll help them out. I think they want like 15 or 17 US dollars for these things. And I was like, no.
0: Oh, that's like doubling my shipping fee. <laughs> like, this just right? sounds like they made mistakes and then tried to get you to pay for them. Like, it, it
1: felt that way. It felt a little like a, like if they, someone was
0: like pu- accidentally putting tape on a package and slipped in it and it cracked the package and was like, "Oh, sorry, ah, uh, your computer that we're about to send you is damaged. <laughs> You're gonna have to pay us for the repair." Gee, that sounds like oddly pointed, Joel. I don't know what <laughs> <laughs> couldn't have been me. No, no. Oh.
1: But uh, And and then the last thing I'll say is that, the, so the player boards are all indented, which are nice, but apparently, uh, and I noticed this myself, um, the cubes you can put into these uh, sections um, don't fit perfectly, because I think the cubes are either the wrong size, or the, the slots on the player boards themselves weren't cut out to spec. I'm going to say it's probably the wooden cubes, they're just not perfectly um, uh, slotted. But also on the player boards, you can pop out little sections, kind of upgrade things, which looks really nice. But I popped out the one and the the cut wasn't done properly, so the the printed side of the cardboard on this little section, as I pulled out off the, the the tight little player board, the one section remained still stuck on the board itself, and I was because it, it had ripped off the side, like it had it separated. So I was like, oh, "Okay, jeez, I'll put this right back, and I'll, i can always glue this later." But it, it's not a nice sensation, and it's something that like I've backed tons of games, I've I've bought tons of games, I've popped them all, I've looked at them. It is extremely rare for me to find a single problem with with a game that I can you say.
0: Get it and like try it out. And, and maybe that's where they're coming from with this note. They were like, oh, this is all messed up. We've got all these We've got
1: issues. Yeah, We're
0: not going to pay for them. We're going to yeah. put a note in saying, hey, if you got any problems, just Reflect on your think, life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Think about, think about how privileged you know, your <laughs> life is. <laughs> Will this really add value to get the whole game? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you do like stuff that's manufactured properly and to spec, you know. Like, what's wrong so, with you? I don't know. I, I'm not sure. It's it's a neat design, and I'm more than happy to try it again sometime. But I think it'd be a hard sell with Kayla. There is a solo, so I can give that a shot myself. But as it stands, uh, it, it could be something that uh, eventually ends up in the. Uh, Maybe a Facebook marketplace or trade of some sort, but.
0: um, Selling yourself. Pardon me? You can start selling yourself. Not selling yourself, but
1: selling (laughs) yourself. Well, maybe, yeah, just set up that spreadsheet. I can sell my son. (laughs) (laughs) Set up a back pages or whatever. uh, Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: GG for that stuff. (laughs)
1: Uh, all right. So that was anyway. That was the the new game, and we played other stuff throughout the. Uh, I got to play some Lords of Hellas, um, which is a bigger conversation than I think we have time for. Um, but suffice to say, it's a, a, a it was a huge Kickstarter game from 20. Uh, I want to say like 2018, 2019. Uh, dudes on a map. It's it's it feels vaguely similar to Kemet. Um, but I don't think it's a smartest design, but it's got very nice production value. Uh, but we got to play with our friend who's been trying to p- get on the table for a long, long time, and I was happy to finally play it, um, and I'm looking forward to playing it again when we all kind of know we're doing better. It's one of those things where you're just kind of muddling through, and it's like, okay, good, I'm glad we learned. We can try this again another time. Um, and beyond that, just like some regular stuff, like uh, some Roll for the Galaxy. I think we played some Azul and uh, I, I'm unsure if we got some splendor in it or not, but uh, it feels like that. But uh, all right, Joel, why don't we? Why don't you give me your thoughts on Age of Empires, and we can finish the show with uh, some D and D chat.
0: Sure, uh, Age of Empires four. Uh, probably, they spent a lot of time in development, but the game looks like it was probably released in 2012. As far as graphics go, it's pretty poor. Um, but you really think it game... looks that bad? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, hmm. uh, it's kind of fuzzy everything's like, uh, small and like, almost like a pastel aesthetic
1: uh-huh.
0: and just, I don't know. In, in this day, I know what you're it's saying. It's a, it's a rough. weird color palette. Too. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't look very good. And I, I will say that it's pretty buggy too. Just not necessarily in like game ruining ways, but like. Uh, there's been a lot of times where I've I've saved the game and then all of a sudden it's turned into like a um, what is it where everything is reversed like lights are darks inverted yeah. inverted yeah it's just that's a inverted. bizarre and glitch I had to close and open the game again in order to to get it to work and then you know like if if any unit is like in a tight pack it'll start dashing back and forth in like a in a frantic uh, attempt to move because it can't. <laughs> it's stuck. What? Uh, which is just an aesthetic thing, like 100% like it it doesn't break the break the unit or any way like you can just move it out of that grouping and then it'll function normally. But it just looks bad, right? So yeah. the game itself um, poorly poorly built, but I will say well designed. Okay. Uh, I really enjoy the the gameplay, the gameplay is a lot of fun uh there, there's been a lot of kind of criticism of the game that uh it's too similar to the previous age of empires but it's kind of like one of those if it ain't broke things yeah i was going to uh, say what do they want yeah it's age of empires again really uh the factions aren't that unique uh but i will say i've just started playing the mongolians and it's really cool all of their um all of their bases all of their buildings can be packed up and moved which you, you almost never end up using because <laughs> yes, any time that a, a building is moving, you're not using it, yeah. And therefore, it's useless to you, and it's actually significantly faster uh, to just build another one. And also, wood is the most plentiful thing in the game. Yeah. But it is kind of cool in concept. And then the really cool thing about the Mongolians is every time they set a building on fire, they get fifty of each resource. Oh, which so they can, can actually get a raising upgraded. bonus. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you can actually buy going off and picking off other people's buildings not even really need to build an economy yourself which is just so mongolian yeah uh but the the game is uh is a real-time strategy game right it's uh usually kill your opponent or control key locations on the map like uh holy sites or build a wonder bit like Civ in that there's like multiple win conditions but um I will say I've been having a ton of fun. I've been playing a lot for it and I like it for a reason that you might not expect, which is um the videos in between the, in the campaign like I
1: cinematics mean, or
0: Yeah, well it's not even cinematics. They're actual videos and they're 4K and they're beautiful and it's videos they've done of the actual combat sites or like the the historical oh, war locations and a lot of these castles that you're fighting over are still standing today uh, especially when you do the english campaign and the french campaign um so you actually it's it's a beautiful like they've gotten they must have spent tons of money on like drone overhead shots wow and um you're watching them they're like three to five minutes long They explain everything and then they kind of superimpose the soldiers in 3D over top, which is probably the worst part about it. But it still gives you kind of a reference of like, this is the actual place where this took place. And you can see it and there's cars driving by. And then you go and you you do the battle and it's so cool. And then every time you win, you unlock two other videos and the other videos are like, hawking and how to make plate mail and you know there's people out there that are larping and everything like that and they're actually doing the historical stuff from back then and obviously the canon stuff is like super cool and so you can actually you know learn how to make and and use a trebuchet (laughs) it's i (laughs) think the the
1: original age of empires at least i think always had this this veneer of edutainment attached to it i think and that's what it, it, I don't know if they've it, they're necessarily sort of just like winking at it, or they're trying to embrace it in a sense. But it seems like one of those things that maybe you could trick your parents if you were at a certain age today to be able to say to them, "Mom, I'm learning about history," and like she'd be like, oh, "Okay, look, little Jimmy learned about Mongolians and trebuchets. So it's
0: <laughs> and it would be at the very least, you know, um, historically accurate. Yeah, age of empires was always like it's not fiction yeah, all the, well all it's the like, campaigns you do were actually things that took place. And the joke was always that it would you know, get you through history, yeah. And it's like it,
1: it is interesting in the sense of there's and I think that's a mark of a game that when there's a, at least like a solid research background behind it, or it's developed by passionate people who have a strong science fiction or um, just any background in a in a more niche subject that gets you involved in it that i, there there's there's several games i can think of that just growing up you you were so intrigued by this world that it kind of set you off in another direction and you began reading about it or maybe you exposed to different types of fiction that um that were connected to it or uh, themes and concepts uh, associated with it that it, 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 i think generally at the end of the day beyond the educational um sort of uh, portion of it I, I think it just speaks to like a good board game too that's based like let's look a Pax Mirror for example that when there, when you have a, a good piece of oh, media that's been inspired yeah. by interesting things and that people obviously care about and that's affected it strongly, then it makes you want to engage with it in a, in a broader sense and learn more about the subjects, um, no matter what they are. So,
0: yeah, and you know, like us, me sitting here, like I've got a ton of options on my computer. I'm still playing the crap out of this game even yeah. though the game plays is like not ideal, really. Yeah. So it speaks a testament to how interesting it is and how interesting the campaign is. Um, speaking
1: of new campaigns, uh, it'll be interesting to see how the new Dune RTS plays when they eventually release it. I'm a yep. little skeptical, to be honest, but uh, if there was ever a time to try to go back to return to tradition and go back to the game that kind of <laughs> set the entire genre off, it might be that... But um in the Diamonds of Show Joel, we've got uh, about you know 5 minutes to talk about your uh, your latest Goats of Saltmarsh experience.
0: Okay. Well, obviously we took the Christmas holidays off, so this was our first time back, so there was a lot of like kind of like uh, so who are we? What are we doing again? Yeah. But um they they've di- they're diving in and minor Ghosts of Saltmarsh spoilers warnings coming up. Um They are diving into siber which is my location you know i just picked a random island on the map basically that was convenient but uh my location for the styes and i guess the styes is basically like the port district of a bigger city which basically you just ignore the fact that there's the rest of a city because you're only supposed to go to the port district Um, And they're arriving there and they actually uh, got a ride on a ferry um, from another, from a nearby town because, uh, you know, they thought that was the only way to get on there. It was kind of a throwback to the bus that takes the guy in in shadows over Rin's mouth. Mm -hmm. You know, he talks to the creepy old bus driver half the way and learns more about the town. So that's how they kind of get the idea of this. Guy made a sacrifice back in the day, and he went to some other islands and blah blah blah. Anyway, they're there now, and they're deep involved in a murder mystery where they show up, and this guy is getting harassed by some kids, and the kids are are you know calling him a a killer. A, their their friend is a killer or something. I don't know. I don't it's remember like, that in our game. Interesting. Well, you guys took a unique <laughs> <laughs> let's just say yeah, yeah. Uh, i remember mark was running around with the mask you found uh rolling intimidate checks to try to get the, vill- get the villagers to give him money or something well why not when he you gets like a plus like six or something yeah. sorry yeah, go on well. <laughs> anyway anyway so they meet this guy and he takes them to their place his place and explains that his friend has been convicted of murder and that he's actually been found standing over the body you know covered in blood and um has no memory of it and then they take him to the the scene of the crime and you know there's blood everywhere and there's runes on the walls and they're like, oh, there's runes on this walls. Uh, I roll an arcana check, and they're like, oh, okay, I got a three. <laughs> and the next person gets a three, and the next person, and so there's these spirals, these symbols of Dune that are, you know, transferring sound to this other place. Um, and they're just, I'm just like, yeah, it's uh, looks very circular, but like kind of different because it gets smaller in the middle. You know, I, I don't know. When someone gets a three on a check, what are you supposed to say? <laughs> well, it's like
1: i don't know i think if you with low checks i think you have to make it very clear that like they i i think if you were gary guy you'd be mean and you just like give them no information like nothing whatsoever versus i think a a, a low check they know nothing they're not going to see anything so we might as well give them something like uh you drop your magnifying glass in the in the mud and <laughs> really screwed up and you, like you you step on top of uh, things that you think might have been clues but you don't know anymore i don't know just make it obvious
0: <laughs> yeah, I suppose that's. You, but what are you, you supposed to do though with them? them? Like, you, but you are you supposed to help them at move? all? Yeah, yeah. So they failed at that, so they don't know anything. But then they're like, okay, well, we could go. You know, we could go talk to the guards and basically, I gave them two options, right? And I, I kind of like it when Baldur's Gate did this, so I'm kind of trying to incorporate it more. Where you say, okay, well, you know, here's a, here's some suggestions, not from the DM, but maybe from an NPC or something. Was like, you could either go to the the city hall or the, the police station, try to um, have his execution delayed Will you try to figure stuff out. You know, it'll probably take a bribe or something. It costs you some gold. Yeah. Or you can go to the asylum and you can begin the investigation right away. Yeah. What would you prefer, right? So they can either, yeah, yeah. you know, try to save him tonight or try to delay things. And, and they went try to save him tonight and in the asylum, you know, they found out, you know, some of the, uh, some of the residents have been going missing and they don't know why. And he's Mm -hmm. worried, you know, he's not even going to make it to his execution. Uh, but he's also told them, you know, clearly I'm guilty, but uh, I have no memory of these killings. And I've, you know, I've woken up with blood on like many, many nights, like, You know, something's going on with me, and they're like, Oh, you must have been controlled, and whatever. But, yeah, uh, long story short, they made their way down, uh, into like the old part of the asylum that was, uh, long abandoned, and then from there into a cave, and then they fought a big monster. I'm disappointed we didn't get to do that in our
1: section, but, uh, you know, I'm glad someone else has experienced it, and you get to run it for
0: the first time, so (laughs) yeah, because I actually bought this story. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) this wasn't it. Oh, interesting! I think it was like two dollars or something. That's not.
1: You PDF. know what? There's so much stuff on DM's Guild. Yeah, yeah. There's so much stuff there that, uh, and they give you a free like a free PDF every week too. And there's yeah. it, there's tons of tons of content there, um, and especially supplements for other games. So I guess like uh we're out of time so i think the last thing we'll do is just shill dms or i will at least shill dms guild or dms i think it's owned by like uh beyond or someone too there might be it it looks kind of like independent but i think it's owned by someone uh, quite big but if you're ever thinking about running um uh, one of these dnd splat books um, I highly recommend looking at DM's Guild, and between Sly Fur- Flourish and some other guys, there are guides to these, and I think like I, the Storm King's Thunder one I've been using, um, mostly just because there's so much fluff, and it's so open, that it helps to focus it, and narrow things down, um, and also provide a certain advice about things they like or dislike, but um, a lot of other campaigns, there's tons of great info and resources, and even if you're not running a splat book, there's tons of like little one-offs that you can do that I'm that you can maybe cut your teeth with these groups and learn how to run these games so highly recommend it they're very inexpensive and uh, you're really supporting people who are very you know very interested and dedicated to this hobby so highly recommend it
0: what was the other uh, like one other thing we could recommend is that site that you sent us for playing dune online that was really cool it's
1: uh something treachery dot greed dot treachery. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. I'll, well, I'll have to post it on the Twitter the Twitter in a bit. But online. All right, we're going to end it there. Thank you for listening. CFRU, 93.3 FM, Androids Dungeon. Check us out on Twitter at AD Radio CFRU. Mossy, that's okay, bunny. And uh, shoot us an email at uh, droiddungeonradio at gmail.com. And until then, we'll hear you next week. So I'm Jack. And he was Joel. Talk to you later, guys. Bye.